Let's pray. Jesus, thanks so much for, um, yeah, your spirit, God. Thanks for the things that we got coming up for us. Uh, God, for your word. Thanks for meeting with us, God. We just welcome you into this place. God, we pray that what happens here, God, on a Monday night wouldn't just stir us up intellectually, God, or emotionally, God, but the things that we learn here and times that we get to experience you, God, would impact the, the daily lives that we live. I pray that what we hear tonight, God, would make a rippling effect, God, in all the other areas, God, of our lives. Be with us, God. Come and speak to us, Lord, tonight. Yeah, we give you praise. Thanks for your word. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, so last week, uh, I kind of rushed through the end of chapter 3, and, and I don't want to rush through that section. Um, I wanted to talk about it last week, um, but I didn't do it justice because we, we kind of ran out of time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up um, chapter 3 tonight. So our setting, 2 Timothy, yeah, we find who, where. We find Paul in jail for the second time, right? The first time Paul was in jail, he was like in house arrest, which means that other people could visit him. He wasn't in shackles. He was in a pretty good place. And he had hopes that the prayers of his friends and family and the church would result in his release from prison. That's not what we find now. We find Paul in prison for the second time, not in a house, but in an actual jail, not with friends visiting him, with actually not many visiting him, and actually more people leaving him than visiting him. We can read three or four times in this letter of Paul talking about different people who left either because of persecution or left because of a false teaching or left because they, they didn't find him yet because he was all the way in Rome. Rome was pretty far from uh, where he had spent many of his, his time there. But um, Paul is at the end of his ministry. He's hearing what is happening outside of the jail. Right, A couple weeks ago, I talked to you guys about the historical setting that Nero took power in Rome and Rome had a big section of Rome was, was burnt, and Nero blamed it on the Christians. And so the Christians started for the first time getting like mass persecuted, burnt at the stake, crucified, uh, animal skins wrapped around them, and, and wild animals released at them. Some of them were beheaded. I mean, it just was uh, a bad time. Paul's in prison, and he's maybe one of the most famous Christians at the time, and he's like, I'm not going to get out this time. He's understanding that he's ran his race, he's been perseverant through it, and he sends this love letter to Timothy, his, his boy, this, this young and upcoming guy that he spent so much time with and so much journey with. I mean, you think about travel then, Travel was mostly by foot, you know? I never have the distraction of cell phones and schedules. 
I mean, they had daylight to govern them during the day, and at night, they went to sleep. They spent a lot of time together. A lot of time together. He sends this letter to Timothy, much like I would send to you all if I was in prison. Like we think about this, and, it, and it's tough for us to, to think about this, but more recently, we, we are able to grasp now the impact of a persecuted church. Why? Because there are many nowadays that are being persecuted for their faith. I mean, we don't, many of us are not going to be persecuted in a physical way because of our faith in Jesus Christ. But we, we watch it on the news and we hear it in stories. And if, if you want, jump on YouTube. There's ridiculous amounts of information out there. You know, go to persecutedchurch.org. Go to persecution.com. Like there's websites of people that are praying, that are interceding on the behalf of not just a, a vast majority, but specific people, specific pastors that are being persecuted now, okay? Fast forward to chapter 3. Paul gets this vision of the future, and we talked about this last week. Yeah, Paul says, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, but understand this, Timothy much like maybe I would, if God gave me a vision, and I would write this letter to you guys on a Monday night, say I was in jail, not for breaking the law, but for preaching the gospel. It's happening in America. Do you guys understand that? It's happening in America. You guys know that one lady who refused to sign the, the civil union's marriage license, and she was employed by the government, but because of her Belief in Jesus, she said, I cannot sign that. I'm not, I refuse to sign that. Then all the, the, the TV and the reporters and, and all the cameras came and videoed her. Where did she end up? In jail. It's happening present day in America. So Paul, 2,000 years ago, in jail. And that wasn't a common thing for Christians. It was the beginning of maybe three. 300, 350 years of persecution for the church. So Paul's in prison. He sends this letter. He says, Paul, Paul sends this letter. He says, hey, Timothy, in the last days, right? And we read it last week. There will come times of difficulty. And then he just lists off, yeah, just this characteristic of a world that, is really the result of godlessness. Amen? It is a result of people living with this worldview that God isn't real and God isn't around and we get to make decisions on our own wisdom and our own might and our own beliefs. And so what I believe, yeah, may outpower what you believe. Why? Because maybe I'm stronger. Maybe I have more influence. And so it's no longer God making the, or no longer God and his word dictating what is right and wrong, but it's man dictating what is right and wrong. So we end up in this world that is, you know, I mean, read it, right? We read it last week. For people will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money, arrogant, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Disobedient to their parents. Shaka, evidence of this world without God, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, 
unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. I mean, you, you can read all the rest, right? And, I'm, and you're reading this, and you're like, man, isn't, isn't this today? I mean, think about it. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So, so I think about it, okay? This is prophetic. This is a prophetic why. Why is this prophetic? Not just because, so think about what is happening then. Not just what is happening now. What's happening then? How many Christians? No, when, when Paul was writing this letter, how many Christians? Not a lot, right? So for him to say that it, there's going to come a time where, where there's going to be a godlessness amongst it, there, there's going to come a time where godlessness was a rise and maybe the popular thing, an accepted practice, that definitely wasn't happening then. Godliness of the, the Jewish God was not being worshipped by many. The God of the Jews, yeah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, like the father of Jesus. That God wasn't being worshipped by the masses then. That God wasn't being worshipped by the masses for the next 300 years. Not until Constantine comes into power does the persecution stop and then Christianity gets accepted and then Christianity starts spreading more. And then it becomes, it spreads throughout Europe and it becomes something that is like part of the government and the government, the Catholic church, the general church is, I love church history, so good. If you guys ever get to a chance to take a church history class. Out of all the classes I took in college, my favorite class, hands down, church history by this guy, J.R. Reed. He would read 300 books a year. He lived like a couple miles from the school. He would walk to school and he would walk home and he would read books all the time. And when, so when we like took a class from him, he just would like pop out story after story like he was there. And I'm like, this is good. So this is prophetic because Paul is saying, he's almost saying like, before the time of godlessness comes, there's going to be a season where God is accepted. And it almost has happened, amen? Not just in America, in American history, in European history, in, in many of uh, the stories of some of the Asian countries, like God was accepted as the norm. The Bible you guys understand that in America, the Bible, our educational system was the Bible. Like never have Christian school. It was just school. 100% of the curriculum that we were taught, or not we, but early Americans were taught, was straight from the Bible. Now, can I, you can find a Bible in a high school. So, so when we read, like, and when we read these stories, and Paul's like, there's going to come a season of godlessness. I mean, I really see it as being this season, this time in our world where God came so popular and accepted amongst the masses. It's, it's a liable source to be rejected. You guys understand that? 
like you're not going to fight against something that has no power or no like influence or, you know, like uh, right now we have the, the presidential campaigns, right? And people are, all these names are coming up and nobody's going to criticize a nobody. They're going to criticize the people who are like, oh, Donald Trump is kind of like getting up there. And so you have the pros and cons, people who like him or dislike him. But because he's one of the headliners right now, he's going to take like the brute force of both sides. Christianity had to get to a place first before it could actually receive the jabs, you know? Like there was a time where our world was God, Christianity, yeah, really was the accepted religion by billions. And Paul is telling Timothy that there's going to come a time in the last days when that godliness will be no more. Verse 10. Okay, so what, so what then? Okay, so that's the, the preface to this, this prophecy, and, and Paul's going to give to Timothy a, a so what now. Yeah, so in the, in the last days, these things are going to happen, but for you, Timothy, this is what you should do. And really, this is like my encouragement for, for all of us here tonight. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. You, however, Timothy have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecution and suffering that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, which persecution I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Okay, I'm just going to pause there. I want to just break that verse 10 down, verse 10 and 11 down. So teaching. So Paul says, Timothy, you have followed my teaching. Let's talk about teaching, yeah? Uh, When I think about teaching, I think about the Bible and all other texts, all other writings, all other teachings. If it's not the Bible, it's man-made. I mean, even the Bible was written by man that we believe was inspired by God. You guys get that? And we, we take that by faith. But if we're not living our lives, and get this, if we're not living our lives by the Bible, you're living your life by the teachings of another person, another culture, another norm. And we just want to make sure that if you call yourself a Christian, that you love Jesus, that 100% of your life is grounded and founded on God's word. No turning to the left, no turning to the right. So for instance, uh, so we've been doing this with the junior high boys um, Friday nights. They've been, in schools, they've been being taught um, evolution right now, yeah? So the, the Big Bang Theory, how did all of it be? begin and and they're they're being fed the big bang theory like it's a fact why because they're not teaching any other theories you guys get it like teachers aren't teaching the other theories specifically intelligent design specifically 
the story of creation that is found where? In the Bible. So why do you think people don't teach the close second opposite? I mean, if it's not evolution, there's no other part of the discussion except for creation. Like those are the two big pieces when you're talking about the beginning of it all. So I was watching this video. You guys can go watch it later. It's on, it's on uh, YouTube, but it, it's uh, fed there from this other uh, livingwaters.com, which is cool because that's Waipuna. But anyway, uh, livingwaters.com, they put out this um, 180 video. Um, it's titled uh, Evolution and God. Yeah, Evolution versus God. It's Shaka, okay? It's good. So this guy's interviewing all these science majors, all these science uh professors and he's like yeah like the the big boys and he's just like interviewing them are you do you believe in god no uh are you you know you believe in evolution yes you know and they're science fact method scientific method you know and all these proven things and he gets to a point where he asks he like clearly defines and they're like they've made all these statements of who they are and then he asks them one question that makes them start jerking a little bit in their confidence behind what it is that they believe and here's the one question show me evidence if you believe in evolution you believe in charles darwin and you believe in his teachings of change of kind that we evolved from an organism right so an organism that got bigger and then we ended up like into like flowers and then a flower to like a animal animal to like you know, like these change of kinds. So he asked all of these guys, professors and college students, to give one example that we have now that we can see, touch, and hold, and study of a species going from one species to another. Like a bird that ended up being a frog. Or some baby that was born with a beak. You know? Like a change of kind. That is what evolution is built on. A big part of it. And how much do they have that we can study now? Zero. They don't have anything to show as evidence for this change of kind. Does evolution happen? Evolution as far as microevolution or adaptation so adaptation is that uh there's humans right and there's a variation of humans some are light-skinned some are dark-skinned some have long hair some have short hair some are losing their hair okay so paul tells timothy that you followed my teaching it's a specific teaching that goes from genesis and it finishes at revelation yeah and it would do us well to study it. It would do us well to study it. Amen? Okay. So next, he says, um, oh, uh, here's your verse for that. Um, if you're taking notes, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it's a good verse. Yeah, so just at the end of the chapter, it's a good verse for that. Uh, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man or, or woman of God may be complete, equipped for what? 
every good work. Amen? Okay. Where do we get equipped for righteousness and every good work? God's word. Amen? In God's word. Okay. Uh, the second one. So Paul says, Timothy, you have followed my conduct. Or in another word, a behavior. Yeah? You followed my behavior, my way of life, how I behaved, like how I responded to persecution, how I responded to, to people, you know, chirping at me all the time. Like you understand my, my conduct. Yeah. And um, when I think about his conduct, I think about the desires that, that Paul had. This longing Paul had to serve the Lord because prior to him coming to know the Lord, he he was, he had this form of godliness where he thought he was serving the Lord, but he was actually murdering people. And then God came and said, hey, not what you're supposed to do. He's like, my bad. And then never again did he go back, you know, and started killing people again. Instead, he started preaching God's word and, and people started trying to kill him. Yeah. But Timothy understood his conduct. My friends, who do you follow? Hey, young people, who do you follow? Yeah, think about your life and, and why are you the way that you are, the style that you have, the, the words that you use, how you behave, yeah, how you misbehave or how you do well in school or don't do well. Why do you study? Why do you not study? Like, is it just how you feel or have you learned those things? Because more than what we say, you guys are going to learn by what we do, you know? And you guys are looking at a lot of options now. I mean, if a picture says a thousand words, even though you guys don't read a thousand words a day, you guys are reading hundreds of thousands of words a day. You guys get that? Yeah? I mean, just think about Instagram. Picture after picture after picture after picture. That's thousand and two thousand and three thousand and four thousand. Right? If a picture says a thousand words, like those are the words and the images of people's lives that you're learning from. It will do you good not through not to flip through this, but to flip more through this, amen. And not through not necessarily flip through the pictures on your Instagram, but flip through maybe the the pictures in your album, like your picture album at your house about your past camps that you've gone to, or past um, summer times, or past. I mean, think about it. Like if you could make a an album, like who has an, a physical album anymore? Like you know, like nobody develops pictures. Do people develop pictures? Yeah? Good job, Keppel. Yeah, like once every 10 years or something like that, you know? But it would do us well to, to look back at the faithful people and model our lives around the faithful. You think about the faithful people in your life today? They were probably faithful six months ago, yeah, 12 months ago, probably faithful like the last handful of years. And you look at their lives and you're like, man, God has been faithful to them. Paul's like, model my conduct and my behavior. The next one is a good one, and it goes along with it. Paul says, hey, Timothy, you have seen my aim in life. Paul had a purpose. He had a destination. He had goals or a goal, which pretty much is summarized in Bringing glory and honor to God, but also paying the price for the church. 
You know? What is your aim in life? That's going to help you make good decisions. If you say you love Jesus and you're a Christian and you have a relationship with him, you also should have a purpose. Because our God is a purposeful God. Our God is a God of clarity. Yeah, our God is not just a God of the here and now. Our God is a God of the future also. That regardless of what happens in this world, his final destination is us and him in heaven. So if we are his kids, we are the children of God. We also should have an aim in life. I love what, um, and you can write this text down too. I love what Paul says in his second letter to Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. He says, I make it my aim to please God in all that I do. Whether I'm here on earth or there in heaven, this is my aim. Good? It's a good verse to have. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. When I think about faithful, so uh, it went through teaching, conduct, aim of life. Uh, Paul says, uh, Timothy, you have seen my faith. And I love that. Yeah? Timothy saw the faith that Paul had. Amen? Like it wasn't just this, I believe in God, belief concept. It was a faith that was seen. Amen? Okay? Like that's a good thing. Like if we love Jesus, the relationship that we have should be seen. Amen? Okay? Um, when I think about faith and faithful, I think about the story of the prodigal son. Uh, I'm not sure what verse that is. Luke chapter... Uh, something like that, 15. Anyway, you guys can find it. The prodigal son. So let me just summarize it for you real fast. Um, 8.36, we'll finish it in the next couple minutes, okay? The story of the prodigal son. You have two boys in this pretty wealthy house. The younger son comes to the dad and says, Dad, can you just like die fast so I can have my inheritance? I love you, Shaka. Give me what is mine. The dad says, okay, son, you want what is yours? Here's your portion of your inheritance. Boom. What does the son do? He doesn't spend it around the house. Boom. He bails. He leaves house, leaves father, leaves family, leaves future, and just goes out and does his own thing. Okay? He splurges it all, has nothing left, finds himself with pigs, says, this is ridiculous. Even the servants in my dad's house got it made I'm going to go back to my daddy's house and serve him because that is better than what I have now. He goes back home. Dad's stoked on him, loves him, receives him back. The older son, the brother, is like prideful, salty. He's like, frick this guy. I've been faithful. I've been serving. I've been working. And nobody threw me any parties. Pissed. The story of the parable is titled what? The prodigal son. The son that leaves. Really, the title of that story should be The Faithful Father.
The only one who had it all together in that story was the father. He was wise enough to give his son what the son wanted and just prayed and hoped that he raised him in the right way. But when he didn't and he came back, he loved him. He didn't hold any grudges against him, received him back. The older son is in the house the whole time. He starts squirming around. The father goes to him and starts loving upon him. My friends, all of you in here who are 18 and under, why be the prodigal son? Why be the prideful boy at home? Can't we be the faithful followers of Jesus in our young age? Let me just tell you, you don't have to go through the stumbling that all the rest of your friends are going through. I promise you, you, that doesn't have to be your story. That was my story. But God pretty much kept me out of like all the ridiculous stuff. And I felt like I had like a jacked up, like lame testimony until I graduated from high school. God stopped me one day and said, Kaipo, look around you. And I looked at all my friends and I was like, Oh, no, not a good life. Oh, no, not good, not good, not good, not good, not good. And God came to me and he says, Kaipo, I've saved you from all of these decisions to prepare you for what I have for you now. Hey, you guys don't have to follow the ways of the world. It's hard. Why? Because everybody's doing it. But I'm, I'm telling you. You don't have to do it. Your story doesn't have to be the prideful boy that stays at home or the prodigal son or daughter that runs away. You can actually be the faithful, loving child who serves the father from a young age. So when you become older, you get to take over the father's house. Amen? Like the father on hand has those two sons, right? He's like, shucks, who am I going to leave all my inheritance to? You know, I got this kid who's like running away and another one who's home, but he's like distant. The father is looking for the faithful followers to give his house over to. Stay the track. Stay the track. Keep on loving God, loving your family, and staying in God's word. Paul says, Timothy, you followed my faith. Hey, my encouragement to all of you in here is if you don't, cannot see God, look at the faith of my life, of your leaders' lives, of the adults around here who you know love Jesus, and they model it well. Imitate them. Imitate their speech. It's uh, good, huh? Imitate how they spend their money. Ask them how they spend their time with God. Yeah? Ask them how their lives started and, and how did they get to the point where they're serving God at this point. Okay? The last uh, four Timothy, you follow my patience. Uh, I'm going to say steadfastness too. Like Paul was steady. Yeah? We can learn consistency and faithfulness by other people. Amen? And that, that's what I was just alluding to for you guys tonight. Um, Paul says, you've imitated my love. I'll give you two verses you guys can read on your own as far as modeling love. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. Really good. For all of us who've been believers a long time, it's like, oh, yeah, that's like the love chapter. But it's a good one, right? It's God's word, right? I don't want to just blow it off like, oh, yeah, love is kind, love is You know, it's good, right? Love is what? Love is kind. Love is patient. Love is enduring. It's a good one. 
Okay, and then another one on love, uh, John 15, 12 through 17. No greater love than this than to lay down one's life for his. Yeah? Like, that's good. Okay? Good definitions of love. Um, let's just end with this one verse, 2 Timothy 2.22. I want to be a 2.22 person. <laughs> It was like 225. <laughs> I'm going to read it for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay? Um, hey, let's stand. Let's stand. And we'll close with this scripture. This is a good one. Yeah? Cassidy, pay attention. Stand up. Okay? First Timothy chapter 2, Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. He's saying to Timothy, Paul says, hey, Timothy, and I'm saying it to you here, flee youthful passions. Amen. Is that good? That's that's good. Flee youthful passions. The passions that you have now that are ungodly, run as far away from them as you can. Okay, and as you're running away from those, Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And this is, the, this, is the, this is the one I want you guys taking away tonight with. Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Like as you're doing this, you're not doing this alone. You're doing this along other side, along other people who are pursuing God with all their hearts. Amen? Hey, I'm in. Yeah? I'm in. Let's run the race together. Flee youthful passions and chase after Jesus with hearts that are wide open. You guys not alone. There's not many out there that are doing this, but you're not alone. Amen? You're not alone. So, hey, let's do more of that too. Yeah? Let's pray some. We should. You guys should start one. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Jesus, thanks for tonight. God, I just ask that your spirit would be released upon each person here, God, that we might flee youthful passions, God, and especially if we are adults. For the youth, yes, the youth for sure flee youthful passions, but it's, it's all for, for, for the adults because I know many adults who are still youthful in their behaviors, God. Fill us with your spirit because left to our own selves, we're going to crave We're going to crave and desire the things of this world and the things of our youthful age. But Spirit of living God, come and renew in us. God, a clean heart. Hey, how about you just whisper that in your spirit tonight? If this is your prayer, God, just renew my spirit, God. Renew my desires. God, may I desire the things of you and not the desires of this world. Jesus, I pray that you give us eyes for you, eyes for truth. You'd help us to understand, God, what the lie of the devil is. Jesus, in our lives, I pray that you would make them really black and white, that you would take away all gray areas, that we might see evil for what evil is. God, that we might see truth and light, Lord, for what it really is, where it leads. 
Now we need you, God. We need you so much, Lord. Be with us, God, as we go from this place. Speak to us even tonight. Give us dreams and visions. Come and bring back these verses to us, God. Help us to be 22 people. I give you all the praise, glory, and honor, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.